0: Welcome to the podcast entitled Priest, Brother, and You, where we discuss your deepest questions from life on campus. My name is Father Jake Anderson. I am a priest, uh, the pastor and director here at the St. Lawrence Catholic Church and Newman Center. And I am joined by two other great young men, uh, Brother Matthew and Thomas.
1: Brother Matthew Warnay here. This is my fourth year serving at the St. Lawrence Newman Center. And Catholic Church. We are starting our, our first podcast today, which is which is something that has been on the minds of many students for a while now. And we have Thomas with us here uh, to to kick us off today. So Thomas, welcome.
2: Great to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Thomas, why why is there so much interest around doing a podcast with students, Catholic students at the U?
2: In college, there's always this sense of learning and knowledge and you came to college to learn. And I think it's an, it's a really awesome aspect that you can learn a lot through your faith because so often it's just like you're being spoken at in a mass and it's very one directional. So to be able to have students come on here and kind of speak back and ask their own questions and kind of interact with the faith in their own way, I think that's really powerful for people. So I'm excited to hear. A lot of the students' perspectives on things in the future.
0: Fantastic. And I think that was actually a little bit of the foundation for why and how this got started where, yeah, just as Thomas was saying, um, yeah, brother Matthew and I, just being on campus and campus ministry, uh, speak with a lot of students and who just have some really great questions. And so oftentimes we're just having a lot of one-on-ones and yet it seems like it could these sorts of questions could benefit the larger student body, and so to have just a platform where we can have the freedom to just express these views publicly, and just to talk through some of these things in just a real casual, conversational uh, sort of fashion. I
1: think there's also the the belief out there that certain things we simply can't talk about, hmm. and hopefully this is a forum where everything is on the table. So Father Jake and I, we are we are ready to get. We're ready to get dirty. We're ready to get dirty <laughs> with, with the questions that come up. So, Well, Thomas, welcome once again. So, Thomas, where where should we go for this first first podcast of our series?
2: Uh, what I want to talk about today is a question that's kind of on the minds of probably every single person at the U, and not even in the U, just everywhere, and it's about suffering. Hmm. Um, the other week, I was talking with my roommate, and he was... He just seemed to be right, like straight up. It was, I think this is the worst year of my life. And I think this is like the worst year of the 21st century. And it's not even over, you know, and there's, I remember we went on a trip through CSU to Alaska over spring break and a lot of people went on spring break trips and life was normal before that. I mean, I remember living a normal life. Mass were not even a thing. Everyone could just be around everybody. And all of a sudden you get these inklings over the trip of there's this virus that's going around, very mysterious, don't know much about it. And then you get back from the trip and it's gotten so bad that we're all told you're not going back to campus. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people really struggled with that. Um, I know from talking with students on campus, there's a lot of loneliness at home, a lot of uncertainty and fear over what's to come and what we're going through now. Um. Even just sickness, people getting sick in their families, their friends, their elderly relatives even dying from this disease. And on top of that all, just people's personal health, physical and especially mental health was really challenged throughout all this. So before we go any further, I just wanted to ask both of you, what would you say is encouragement to those
0: who are going through a really tough time in their life? Yeah, that's a... I mean, that's a, there's a lot there. That's basically encapsulating 2020 in one year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great question. But great, great question. And one of the things that I just, as a preliminary level, just want to start out with saying is I don't think we should ever hide behind just these pious platitudes or these little sayings that sometimes, you know, they might be somewhat truthful, but they don't really hold a lot of weight to the full extent of the question. So, for example, just saying, you know, oh, well, what doesn't kill you will just make you stronger. It's like, mm-hmm. well, there's a sense in which that's true, but the context of your question is like, no, this is a real question. Uh, and I don't want to just hide behind something that I can fit behind, you know, on a three by five card. I need something a bit more than just a little principle as, as helpful as some truths and principles can be. It's like, yeah, where do we to go with this? So that's just. The initial thought actually just to get our hands dirtier than just these quick little sayings that sometimes we can tell ourselves. Um, I mean, as a priest, I'm reminded of things, uh, people are often saying at like a funeral when people are going through a really hard time and there's real sorrow and there's been a real death in their family. And for someone else just to come and give them a a brief hug and say, it'll, you know, it'll all get better soon. These things that are like okay, there's there's a truth to that, but ultimately it doesn't really satisfy me, and it doesn't really answer my questions and speaks into my sadness, even if I agree that it's uh, true in to some extent. Like yes, maybe I will get over this somehow soon, um, but but that doesn't satisfy me now. What am I supposed to do with the question right now? So just a preliminary thought, brother. Yeah, certainly there there are no.
1: Easy answers to this. And if there were, they would be popularly known. But there's not. And I, I think the Father Jake, like you're saying, there, this, it is similar to greeting people after a funeral. And I think we, we typically find that what, what people really want there, what people really need at the end of a funeral is not someone to give them a quick answer, nor is it even to give them a hug, but rather what they need is people to mourn with them mm-hmm. so and we can talk about some of the theoretical theoretical answers to the problem of evil but they're all very complex and they never actually touch on the heart of the issue that that when we suffer something deep happens in the human heart and we need co-mourners mm. and i think i think that's the best thing we can offer people is actually i i see your suffering and i'm with you
0: i see mm. your suffering and i'm with you yeah yeah, that makes me. Yeah, it just reminds me of even when I think about the friendships in my life and the various things I've gone through in my own life, and it's like, well, you just as at a preliminary level, about what is a good friend is just someone who is with you in through thick and thin, and someone who doesn't even necessarily have to have the right answer to a question that you're asking, but they love you enough to say, "I'm with you in this," and I actually can see your suffering. And I'm not afraid of your question or the suffering that you're going through, but I am with you through it. That's the kind of thing that, you know, in the quick instant of the question, it might not alleviate everything, uh, the question itself, but it gives me the wherewithal to keep going, which is partly what the question is getting at. Like, how do I continue to go through this where we're still in 2020? We're not in 2021. You saying this is going to end in 2021? No. (laughs) But, but seriously, like one of the, I guess partly what we're getting at, just speaking out loud with this is a, a deeply, it's one of the most, um, pivotal truths of the whole life of Christ and the Christian view of what to do with suffering, which is when Jesus saw the suffering of the world wrought about by sin his first response was not to alleviate or eradicate it, but rather to enter into it. And that's not something we just want to say, oh, true, let's move on. If we don't stop there, if we're not allowing that profound reality to speak into my question, I I don't know what else will or what else we could say that ultimately one of the greatest ways god is speaking to us is the way he enters into our suffering uh that's ultimately the incarnation uh that's that's the cross uh that's the, the ultimate test of a real friend is it not amen amen i think it's it's
2: interesting as students um there's a lot of alone time And when you're alone, you kind of question everything and thoughts just bumble around in your head. And sometimes you can kind of forget where God is in your moment of suffering. So what would you say to someone who's saying, God's not with me, God couldn't be with me if I'm going through these terrible things, if I'm going through loneliness, or if I have the coronavirus, how could God be with me
0: in that moment? yeah first, I mean, just a few initial thoughts to that. not easy questions, they're real questions, and yeah, I think anyone could uh say yes, at some point in my very uh recent past, maybe in some way that has been my experience, uh even if nobody else knows, we feel it and so um, you know, just as a little analogy, you know, when I was a kid, we had these binoculars laying around the house. My sister was a big bird watcher and as a kid, I always was trying to figure out which direction, I know it sounds stupid, but which direction to look through the binoculars. <laughs> and, um, you know, not looking through them the right way gets you into very quickly, just a tunnel vision. And I think this can be an analogy to the experience maybe of what you're speaking about, which is when things and life itself get really hard and I can get isolated very quickly, life just seems to Take on like I flip the binoculars around and I'm looking through and seeing this one thing through this very tight lens, and I don't see anything else. There's nothing really around me other than I am just dialed in and I can only see the suffering. Which even as I speak about it, this almost brings me anxiety right now. (laughs) Just thinking about a problem and only seeing the problem and nothing other than that. I'm seeing my, the same wall I've looked at for three months in my dorm room. And I'm looking at this textbook that I paid way too much for. And I'm just filled with this problem that I can't get away from. Um, so all the more reason, um, to really have people in my life that can seek to pull me into a broader vision, like that can actually remind me of, Hey, you're looking through the binoculars the other way around. (laughs) Um, I know that might just sound like casual, like, oh, we'll have a friend, but if we don't have people, places, and things to pull us out of our tunnel vision, it just seems like it only can get worse. Yeah.
1: Yeah, amen. And Thomas, that's a great question too. And I, I think it, I think there's actually something beautiful there that if some, if someone is that open to us, that they'll share that kind of deep question. Then they're in a great spot. They're in a place which is which is open to receive you or me or someone as a friend and actually to to insist, maybe not in words, but in in a kind of presence that actually despite what things seem, God really is here. I think I think so many people are are thinking the things, Thomas, that you you've asked there, but aren't saying them. And if someone actually says those to us, they're not far from from an encounter with God through you and through me. Hmm.
0: Yeah, Thomas, re- reactions to this? I mean, like, cause we want to hear your, yeah, The like, is this speaking into the question, do you think? You can say that was a horrible answer, by the way.
2: <laughs> I think a lot of people are really going to connect with that binocular metaphor. Because I know for me, I was sitting at home in March and April and, you know, you get your homework and normally homework, something and school, is something that you go to it, you do it, and then you walk away and then you're free from it. And during the pandemic and even now, you're probably doing your homework, studying, lounging around, watching Netflix on the same place. Mm. And that can especially give you a tunnel vision because all you're doing is seeing the same thing all day and you're interacting with the same couple of roommates all day. And you're not really seeing people. And when you do, it's just the slit of their eyes behind a mask. And you you kind of lose that sense of community. And I think a lot of people really struggle with that because we're social creatures. We need community. And I think finding that is really hard right now for a lot of people. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, we we definitely do.
1: Um, so may we, may we see that, even when we're not hearing people say it directly, we, may we see that, and then welcome people into community. It's something we have in Catholic students united here and in, in in spades is community life and so often I think the people were actually inviting into it they haven't said, but they're asking these kind of questions Thomas, well, how could this really be and so community gives an, a kind of answer to that which goes deeper or
0: cannot be expressed in in words hmm. Yeah, and I I know this might sound rather surfacey or booky, but um, from someone who I, I do love to read, and you know, one thing that I think a lot of people do like to partake in or take in reading wise is like a biography or an autobiography because it's someone's real life. Uh, on any given public bus, you'll see somebody reading a biography because <laughs> it it tends to speak something into my own life, especially a contemporary biography. Like oh. Oh, they dealt with that? Me too. And one of the things that makes biographies like interesting and possibly one of the greatest reasons why we continue to read them in throws is the fact that somebody is actually talking about their own experience of entering into suffering and a place, especially maybe not on every page, but on any good biography that's going to hold its sand, there's going to be a crux where the person had an ultimate Turning point or place where that life almost crushed them down and they either could get crushed and give up. Um, and just speaking out loud, like where people could just say, like, I have a choice. I could kind of go down this road of ending my life or something else. And that's often what makes it, uh, a popular read because we're like, Oh, they're saying they're speaking into my life about how they have come out of this place of adversity. And so even just in the Christian life, we say, uh, what makes a mature Christian not just someone who has read the Catechism or even the Bible back and forth, but someone who has entered into a a depth of soul that really only comes about through entering into the thicket of suffering, as John of the Cross would say. Someone who has actually entered into something very difficult, and emerged from it, not perfect, not perfectly purified, not graciously optimistic, but they have learned something deeply true that they could never get from a book.
2: So a lot of people, one of the good things about this pandemic, if we could say that anything's good about it, is that a lot of people have a lot of free time right now. Do you guys have any book or movie or podcast or tv show recommendations that kind of get into what you're talking about about like i'm suffering i want to hear how other people got through it maybe kind of like a guide like if they can get through it i can get through it does mm-hmm. anything come to mind for either of you there's a certain podcast that came to mind
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll toss this one over to father jake but I, I think one one caution i would say right away is, the, is these media of any kind including books can be a good supplement mm. but it's not it's not going to get at or at least for most people it's not going to get at the deepest thing which is which is relationship with the Lord Jesus and that comes through prayer and is facilitated by community with other Christians so so whatever the thing is it should ultimately complement that and not try to replace it
0: yeah. Yeah, I I totally agree and certainly we'll have some book titles and other things, but I totally agree with that brother where and this this happened to me several months ago where I came across and you studied you study some Latin, Thomas? A little bit. Um I was reading this particular book and the author almost just offhandedly said, "You know, maybe it's not a mere coincidence that the word conversion and the word conversation share the same root word. And then he just moved on. But I underlined that point like three times because (laughs) if that's not the case where conversions, yeah, they'll happen, grace is everywhere. But it's not a coincidence that someone's turning of their heart, a change of life often happens through a conversation where somebody is meeting us in something and they Will shift our gaze. They'll they'll draw me out of the uh, the tunnel vision. They'll give me a new way of looking at life, or even myself, and it it changes me. Um, so I can't help but think about that in terms of what is arguably one of the best lights in our darkness, which is someone who I can speak with and converse with. But since you mentioned the book, <laughs> <laughs> I knew you uh, weren't going to let that go by. <laughs> I highly recommend it to men and women, uh, whether you are rich or poor, young or old. Uh, it's called He Leadeth Me uh, by Walter Chisick, who was a missionary uh, in Soviet Russia and experienced excruciating pain, and yet with a joy that can only be explained by the power of Jesus in his life, and how he... Withstood incredible sufferings, uh, not just for the sake of the gospel, uh, but also like he entered into a much greater depth of even understanding who he was, uh, through what he experienced. So, um, certainly like prison is involved, uh, a lot of just taking great risks for the gospel, but also in just ordinary ways. Uh, It's not like one of those, certainly it is one of those books you're like, wow, I'd I'd like to become more like him. And yet it was actually quite ordinary. It wasn't um, something that I have to go to Russia uh, to be or become.
1: In a a different vein, I might also add uh, that any quality fiction can do something of this for us. So I think, for example, of The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, where we see that in in tolkien's own words he he uses a you catastrophe meaning a good catastrophe he, he shows how something seemingly terrible terribly evil can can if if people uh follow the will of god or in or in tolkien's case if they if they act according to their conscience immense good can come out of that so stories like that can suddenly lift our lift our souls out of the narrow view of my life and my situation into what could be fiction should open our, our minds like that. So good fiction, I think can be very, very inspiring there.
2: Hmm. So I, going back to one of your points, brother Matthew, you were talking about how, um, when people are looking for things, you can kind of get lost in this sea of information that may not be conducive to Christian thought. And when I was thinking about my question to ask you guys today, what I thought of was think of all the things online that people look to. Like they might look up, why does suffering happen? And they might get a hundred different answers or, you know, there's a, there's a complete multitude out there. So what's to go into the deep end a little bit, but what would be a Christian Catholic response to a question like that
1: yeah great great question and and it takes a particular form here when we ask why would god (laughs) allow pandemics to happen but you're right it's it's part of a broader a broader question which is why does god a good god our good god permit evil in our world and so that's that's uh there's a whole field of inquiry devoted to this question which is called theodicy The study of the problem of evil. How can there, how can evil coexist with a good creator? And now certainly one of the, one of the first answers to that is, is to look no further than ourselves. Are we responsible for some of the evil in the world? Certainly we are. In fact, we're responsible, I would say, for a great, great, great deal of it. So I think in the case of a pandemic, which is a, which is an example of natural evil, evil that's not caused by human action, then there's a couple, a couple of answers that our, our faith would propose. And, and I'll just give, I'll give two of these. Although I think there's a number of ways of looking at this question. One of the answers is that evil exists. And hear me out on this, evil exists because it couldn't have been any other way if we were to be free. If we were to have free will, then there must be some kind of evil which we can choose. Or even if we're able to uh, move ourselves in a 3D space, well, then there has to be cliffs that i can jump off of at least if there's gravity well if there's no gravity i think as you do a kind of thought experiment you you begin to realize that a universe without evil is one-dimensional and what's a one-dimensional universe a point nothing no humanity no soul Mm -hmm. no me and you so there, there has to be there's a kind of necessity there in terms of natural evil again i'm not speaking of moral evil which is evil that we as men and women afflict on one another and to ourselves. I'm not talking about sin, but natural evil. But then the second answer is this. It goes back to Father Jake's image of the binoculars is that when we look at natural evil, we often don't see the full picture of what it accomplishes. And it's in this case where our, our scriptures are, are extremely clear. Not only is there the insistence throughout the scriptures that, that Everything God created is good. But there's also, especially in the wisdom literature, the wisdom books of the Bible, there's even addresses to the problem of evil. And I'll quote one here from from the book of Sirach, chapter 39, where the author says, All the works of the Lord are good, and he will supply need in every time. And therefore, no one can say, This is not as good as that. And then the author goes on to say, "No one can say that because everything proves good in its appointed time." So that's one angle lo- of looking at how how things which appear evil uh, actually God has some mysterious purpose to that, at least in many cases, uh, which are which are worth exploring.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that, brother, and that's. It's a beautiful, actually really powerful answer. I hope you have it written down for me.
1: <laughs> Sorry, but you can
0: listen to the podcast. That's right. <laughs> I'll rewind. Uh, yeah, just the image that came to mind as you were speaking about that in terms of especially like causation. Um, yeah, when you, when you throw a rock into a pond, you know, there's the initial after effects, all the, the, the waves, waves that are creating, and then the, those waves create other waves. And sometimes like if we were just by analogy, you know, living life very close to that rock that was thrown into the water and we're seeing the the initial set of waves, you know, uh, like that's what we're seeing. We don't see the other ones, just temporarily speaking. We just see like, oh, this is bad. This is violent. You could even say an explosive thing has come into this water and it's created havoc. Um, and then those waves are beginning to create other waves And from God's vantage point, he sees ultimately all the effects of the causation. He sees all the waves that will be coming about while we who are creatures, not creators, uh, only see like what's right in front of us. And so we're, we're distinct and different, not only from God, but even from the angelic where we don't see ultimately where our choices, speaking on the moral things, the moral choices we make, but also even from a natural evil standpoint, what Brother was getting at, we don't see the the ultimate where the ultimate causation is leading. We don't see all their effects and what providential purposes God has in mind that's beyond our sight.
2: I
1: think about, could God have made A universe without pain or at least at least could god have made me without the experience of pain sometimes i think oh that would be a lot nicer Hmm. but then then i think about if i never had experienced pain would i actually be a better person for it in the sense of would i actually come to know my need for god Hmm. without pain here's how c.s lewis puts this in his book the problem of pain that god whispers to us in our pleasures he speaks in our conscience but he shouts in our pains it is our pain is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world hmm.
2: so what do you think he's shouting at our world today
1: it's a great question i think i think of my own family that soon after the the pandemic broke out in the us my extended family decided to to do a zoom reunion and on the Zoom reunion, I saw cousins which I had not seen for 20 years. Wow. It was great to see them, but I was saddened to note that it took a worldwide pandemic for my family to get back together in the same virtual space. Hmm. And so I think that's one example of of how God wants to reunite us and bring us back to
0: the basic things of life in this time. Yeah. I love that quote from C.S. Lewis. And it reminds me also of a similar one. Um, I forget who said it, but um, that suffering shocks us out of superficiality. Um, And I think about that in terms of my own life, like when things are going really well, (laughs) at least in my own estimation, you know, it's a 72-degree day, sunny with light winds. Um, you know, things are going well at the Newman Center. Uh, Brother Matthew is praising me. I don't know. Like, just things are going well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Keep dreaming. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then it just keeps going. Like, yeah, life is, is good from a certain perspective. Uh, but oftentimes, if, if I continue on in just like what we might just call earthly comforts, Uh, I've got a nice soft couch, I'm sleeping well at night, I have three square meals a day. Like Life is good from an American standpoint. And then maybe something happens that interrupts that comfort. And I think at times, and maybe even all the time, there's nothing that will shock me out of a false reality than suffering. Um, similar to what Brother was saying. like It took a pandemic to awaken us to, oh, we need to speak to one another. And it's actually a good thing that we've been neglecting because there have been a lot of other maybe partially good things or secondary things that have taken their place. So as a priest in this pandemic, it's really powerful for me to encounter someone whose face I've not seen before. And oftentimes, I like to ask that person, assuming they're not a freshman where there will always be a new face, and I'll say like, hey, what's your name? And they'll say, it's so-and-so. I'm like, and, you know, what, you know, what year are you? And they're like, oh, junior. Oh, really? Like, I haven't seen you before. Like, yeah, this is my first or second time to St. Lawrence. Well, what brought you in today? And whatever they answer, it is always a deeply fascinating thing because usually, it's something of God or grace. And honestly, in this time of pandemic where, yeah, there's a lot of suffering and a lot of difficulty and discomforts, the amount of people that are coming alive and being shaken out of their superficial lives is nothing short of extraordinary. Mm.
2: I will say that this whole conversation definitely struck a chord with me and I think it's going to strike a chord with a lot of Mm. students who listen to it. Um, do you have any encouragement for them? They, they might just come across this message randomly and they hear it. What should they do from here? Maybe they're not super deep into their faith, but they had some stirring in
0: what you said. Yeah, the quote from Socrates, as he was called, Socrates, comes to mind. The, the unexamined life is not worth living. So maybe something in this podcast, in the, in the words or questions uh, asked or spoken Have just either struck a chord or made you stop and pause. Uh, maybe even the podcast itself. Uh, that's a profound thing. And if you were to just even uh, allow that singular truth or sentence or word or anything or memory that comes to mind, just to make you go a little bit deeper from our superficial lives, it's, it's been a, it's been a smashing success. My,
1: my answer would be in two parts. Number one, to pray, and God will meet you there. And number two, if you're a student at the University of Minnesota, come experience community life. And I really believe God will meet you there also. So, guys, thanks for listening today. Thomas, thanks for joining us on the show, our, our inaugural podcast. Great questions. I'm going to have to dry out my palms after this. <laughs> thanks, everybody. God bless.